He says, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. And uh, once again, of course, we run into this in a biblical or religious language. But, uh, you know, when we look at this more as a process, um, we can see that this is kind of the... uh, I I think that we can say there's kind of two components here. There's a component of commitment to... um, to the work of recovery and the spiritual work by making a decision and turning it over. And then there's this uh, aspect of acceptance of the results of, the, of what we turn over. So it's, you know, in that sense, uh, it's meant to counter two aspects of addiction. The aspect of um, not being committed to recovery, or being maybe I should say being committed to addiction. You know, being that's kind of our uh, guiding um, force in our lives, and we're taking something else as a guiding force uh, to to try to live in harmony with this higher power and then the countering the the addictive tendency to control so the acceptance part of the step is helping us to let go of that tendency to try to control things to uh, only be willing to accept things when they um, are in accord with our wishes and of course, both that uh, that power, that addictive power, and that wish to control are are um, things that ultimately were uh, failures for us. So this this step is a an attempt to to start to live in a different way from the way we've lived in the past. And that's why it means, say, it's turning it over to something else because there's this assumption that my own way of living, which was self-centered and pleasure-seeking, you know, was you know failed as a as a you know principle and and so we're kind of throwing up our hands giving up saying okay I can't do this and so the the language of god uh you know emphasizes this because this idea that there's this sort of force out there or even a being out there that's um not only more powerful than you but that will care for you uh kind of gives us uh, a vision of something else. Um, and, and, you know, if that's as far as we take it, maybe that's, maybe that's enough. Um, uh, certainly I don't think that, uh, I don't believe certainly in any being out there, uh, but I certainly do believe that there are powers that... Uh, 
I have to learn to live in accordance with. So the so then to go back to the language of the step, um, and then making the decision is that commitment to be on this path, and then we see that there's two things that the step says we have to turn over our will and our life, and um, so this in Buddhist terms refers to I guess the most closest correlation is intention and action uh, so if our, if you can see will as being kind of the motivation what the energy behind your actions so the the Buddha distinguishes these two elements and and actually says it's a critical distinction because According to Buddhist teachings, the intention behind actions is what informs the results of the actions. I may have said all that last week. Um, I say this a lot, so um, it's, we were talking about higher power. But in any case, uh, this you know this ties in with karma, as we were talking about karma last week. But um, it's interesting that the steps also do this, separating intention and action. Um, and so, well, I, I don't know, do I need to talk about that? Um, just, just to put this in, in terms of, uh, of meditation, when we sit down to meditate and we set the intention to pay attention to the breath, then we bring the attention to the breath. What usually happens then is the mind wanders, but we still have the same intention. So the intention hasn't wandered, but the action has kind of changed. But because we still have that intention, when we realize that the mind has wandered, we easily can come back. And it's through that repetitious coming back that the, we eventually establish mindfulness and concentration. So without the intention, there's no real guiding uh, energy or focus. Uh, in fact, the Buddha says that every action has intention behind it. And this then becomes a really important focus for our mindfulness. When we start to realize, because what what it implies is that we are responsible for our actions by our choices, by by the intention behind our actions. And so one of the things that we want to be cultivating in a mindfulness practice is awareness of intention. Why am I, why did I do that? Why... Am I doing this? Why do I want to do this? That's sort of how we kind of figure it out. Because usually we, in the beginning when we start to do this, we don't, can't really see, we don't catch our intention before we act most of the time. So mostly in the beginning it's like, oh, what was my, what was I, what, the way things turned out weren't the way I meant them to. What was my real intention? And then we start to explore Oh, we start to see, oh, there was selfishness or there was self-centeredness or there was greed or there was a, uh, 
you know, something unskillful. Or maybe we see that there was something skillful. Um, so, as I say, eventually we get to the point where we can, well, I don't know if eventually, I mean, I suppose we can do that already, you know, as long as we kind of make an effort to do it, to start to really notice, like, what are the driving impulses in my life? What are the things that are motivating me? And as the kind of core principle of recovery is honesty, you know, this gives us an opportunity to kind of take a, an intention inventory. Because uh, so often we'll kind of find ourselves going, well, I didn't mean to. Or, uh, and sort of realizing, well, why do things, you know, why do I keep doing these things that I don't mean to do, you know? Maybe I do mean to do it, and I'm just not aware of what, you know, that, that wish. So this is a really rich area for reflection in our practice and in our lives, is intention. And the Buddha is very simple in terms of what he, how he defines right intention versus wrong intention. It's just... Right intention is basically non-harming, non-clinging. And in positive terms, kindness, generosity, or kindness and letting go. Compassion, you know. Uh, And wrong intention is just the opposite. Grasping, clinging, aversion, hatred all the negative stuff. You know, that's not a surprise. We sort of know that. But maybe we don't want to take responsibility for the results of those intentions. Or we want to still want to be able to, we want what we want. You know, we want to be able to do or think or say what we want to say. And, you know, that's okay. You can do whatever you want within the, within the law but you're still going to bear the consequences of that. And so one of the things then the the Buddha points to is that essentially it feels good to do that to live this way. Um, you know, he's not just teaching this as a a moral exercise. Uh, it's it feels good to give. It feels good to be loving. It doesn't feel good to get angry, to steal, be grasping. It's painful. So this all inclines towards uh, uh, happiness, we could say. So, again, so there's that will, and then there's our lives. So my interpretation of this step is that that just means what we do in our lives, how we live that we try to live in accordance with some guiding principles, which in Buddhist terms uh, is the Dharma and all that that encompasses. And so my book, A Burning Desire, was an attempt to look at the implications of that statement that we're turning our will and our lives over to the care of the Dharma. And 
my way of looking at that is to essentially take the major components of the Buddhist teachings and look at them as powers and see what their power is and what it would mean to turn my will and my life over to that power. So one of the things that uh, I've learned about the language, the Pali language, which is the language of the earliest Buddhist teachings, the word that we translate for right, as in right view, right intention, right action, right mindfulness, which is the which are the components of the eightfold path. That word is sama, s a m m a, and the etymology of that word is related to is kind of a musical term that it that it it means something like being in tune. I prefer even being in harmony. So to be in harmony with the Dharma, to live in harmony, to turn my will and my life over means I'm going to try to live in harmony with the Dharma rather than live in harmony with my wants, with my craving. And that's that's the letting go. Turning... Turning it over is a letting go, right? When you turn it over, you're giving it to someone else. You're giving your will and your life. You're saying, I'm not going to follow my own cravings and my own, even my own thinking about things. I'm going to tr- give it to something else. Uh, in the 12-step language, I'm giving it to God, but what does that mean? So, um, so if we say that Dharma can be a replacement for God, then we start to look at all the elements of Dharma. And that's what I'm going to do in the second half of this evening. So before we take a break, any questions yet? I will leave time at the end tonight. Um, So one other thing I wanted to talk about, speaking of intention and uh, and letting go is uh, the practice of dana. I know I know that many of you are new to Spirit Rock, and we mentioned this on the first night. But um, the the way that I am supported here is just by your donations. Uh, when you pay for the class, none of that goes to me, and um, and the. This practice, dana is a Pali word that means generosity, and this practice has several dimensions to it. It has uh, this spiritual dimension, which is really why we use it here, because it's, it's got this dimension of, of practicing giving, practicing letting go. It's the first thing that the Buddha actually taught to lay people. He didn't teach them meditation or even the Eightfold Path uh, first. He taught them generosity because it's the most obvious and direct way of letting go, of practicing letting go. Uh, And it was also a way of creating a relationship between the lay people and the the monastics. So the teachers here at Spirit Rock try to carry on that tradition in a small way by not charging for our teachings, for our individual. You know, I don't 
I don't have like a contract with Spirit Rock. Um, so I find that to be a really rich practice and, and something that over the years of, as I've practiced it, it's become more and more meaningful for me to actually reflect on and enjoy the moments of giving that I do for my teachers and for the other things that I support, the organizations I support. So that's the spiritual dimension, and maybe there are probably other spiritual dimensions I'm not thinking of, but but there's also the practical dimension, which is that we as teachers depend upon you guys' support, and and that was something else that the Buddha, another reason the Buddha set up the teachings this way was so that if the teachers weren't being of service, if they weren't providing something that people wanted, then they wouldn't be supported. And they'd have to go get, you know, a day job. <laughs> and uh, so, so there's that very practical end of it for me, that I, that I depend upon you being as generous as you can be. And, and what, what I like about that system, rather than saying, okay, we're going to charge $20 or $30, whatever, for the class, and then we'll give a portion to the teachers, is that this way they can charge as little as possible so that people who can't afford more won't be you know burdened it won't be turned away and then the people who can't afford more will give more and that usually works um it's usually a very effective system and and especially when people understand it and and embrace it as a practice um i guess it's maybe it's obvious that the reason i'm bringing it up tonight is because it hasn't been working well the last two weeks and uh i don't want to get get a resentment (laughs) Um, so, you know, just what what you can give, I appreciate. You know, and if you can't, you can't. Um, but it, it it is. I think when we're used to, you know, AA meetings or OA meetings, and we're used to putting a dollar or two in the basket, you, there can be some confusion when we come out here and don't realize that it's actually we're we're needing to support someone, not just pay the rent. So, um, I will. Uh, Leave it at that. So let, we'll take a break for about 10 minutes and uh, talk some more about higher power. So thank you.